All right, we're back. We've gone through the first couple encounters of the Mothman story, and now we're going to carry on. Okay, so uh, what we've covered so far is the uh, the, the very famous uh, Scarberry Mallet uh, uh, Mothman sighting. This is uh, by far the best known. It's the most cinematic. It's the one that people <laughs> mo- most uh, uh, associate with it. I mean, what, what do we want? Uh, you know, we got glowing red eyes, a demonic <laughs> right. figure chasing your car at 100 miles an hour. Right. It's got everything. It's got. It's, it stays in the picture for sure. I mean, there's... it's got it all, right? <laughs> you know. Um. So, uh, that's uh, that's the most famous, um, and the the one most uh, commonly associated with uh, with Mothman, and uh, most importantly, that's the one that gets the most uh, uh, the most attention, right? Immediately, same night, um. Scar, uh, the the Scarberries and Mallets are are uh, are talking to police. Right. Um, it's getting around town. Um, they're not sleeping all night. Um, they're being interviewed by uh, 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 by uh, local reporter Mary Heyer, among other people. Um, and uh, and so the initial police reports done that first day. Now, this is an interesting question. Um, the, uh, the story goes that, uh, so they definitely went down to the, uh, the, the police that night, talked to the police. There is, in, in fact, uh, uh, photographs of, of them, uh, talking to the police. There are handwritten accounts of, of their, uh, of, of, of their story, uh, that are on display at the, uh, uh at, at the Mothman Museum, right? Okay. Um, the, the intro, uh, or, or sort of the the the, the, uh, uh, the information given before the uh, uh, before those accounts, says that these were given within quote days of the initial sighting. Um, whether or not Jeff Walmsley of of the Mothman Museum um, is a been a little bit. Uh, evasive about whether or not these are actual th- these are the actual uh, whether they're uh, contemporaneous accounts or not or... well whether or not they are the the actual things they wrote for the police that night oh, that okay. very night okay i my impression is that uh the that they wrote official they gave official statements that night you know in separate rooms you know as, oh, okay. as, 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 uh, as police tend to do to make sure that you know um, and well, I mean, that, you just wonder how serious it would be taken by the police at that point. Well, and the police apparently right away took them very seriously. Yeah, I mean, they, that's... They, they were terrified. You know, they, they were clearly terrified. It's a small town, so, uh, you know, the, the uh, these are kids not known to be smoking the ganja back on the, uh, uh, on the back roads or to be getting drunk all the time or causing trouble. So the police take them seriously. I, my impression is... They they wrote statements that night um, that are held as police evidence even to this day, and that the uh, the uh, statements that are the handwritten statements that are on display at the uh, uh, Mothman Museum now are statements that are were done a couple days later that were sort of paraphrasing of the statements they gave. Right. So at any rate, um, everybody takes them pretty seriously, right? Um. Something scared these kids out there. Something scared these kids, <laughs> right? right. Uh, 
but um, something to keep in mind is that the speed with which uh, this story sort of spreads through the small town uh, is pretty uh, is pretty exciting. The uh, or, or pretty uh, pretty quick at least. Um, already the next day, they're on their front page news. Mary hires done a story on them. They have pictures of them. Uh, you can and you can even look up the commission uh, stories. Um, and by uh, the 16th, the next day, uh, you know, that, that Wednesday, everybody and their uncle is out driving around the uh, TNT <laughs> area. Of course. Right? Um, with, of course, uh, lo- uh, with weapons, you know, with their shotgun, right? Wanting to know uh, one of the uh, 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 one of the guys in, uh, in charge of the uh, Point Pleasant Chamber of Commerce is appeared in a couple of documentaries and said you know he, he lived through the time he was a middle-aged guy and was like look people wanted to know two questions one can we shoot it <laughs> two if there's two of them can we shoot two right, <laughs> right. and of course given this is a uh, wildlife pre- uh, uh, wildlife area the answer of course from from wisconsin is or uh, or from uh, west virginia is no <laughs> no don't shoot anything right so um Anyway, so uh, all of this lends its, itself to, um, well, all this lends itself to an aunt uh, who really wants to scare her uh, her uh, nephew and nieces, right? I oh. mean, if I were, I mean, if it were me, I've had I've had nephews and nieces. If they lived in a scary part of town where there was a monster haunting the area, right? Um, it would occur to me that, hey, man, uh, they're going to be, I, I know that their parents um, go to church every night, even on Wednesdays. So they're probably, you know, these kids are probably home alone at night. <laughs> Why not just drive out and make sure they're okay? Oh, make sure, you know, like, how are you guys doing? Have you heard, have you heard the moth, about the Mothman? Are you scared? Uh, you know, and so on. Anyway. So, uh, a woman named Marcella Bennett, um, and, uh, her brother and her, uh, and her brother's, uh, 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 wife decide that, uh, they are going to go, uh, drive around the Point Pleasant area, or drive around the TNT area where, uh, her, where their, um, their other brother and his wife live with their three kids, uh, knowing that, uh, parents are not going to be home <laughs> and they're going to go out and just have a good time with their. Oh boy! Uh, with, with their nieces and nephews, right? So they're driving out there, you know, and they're weaving around in traffic because there's people everywhere out Mothman spotting, right? And uh, so they get out there, and uh, and uh, um, and uh, Marcella, Marcella's uh, brother Ray, um, just can't shut up about this UFO. He keeps seeing this this light in the sky, red light in the sky. Oh, he right. does personally, yeah. right? That they're just driving around. He's like, "Look at that! What is that?" And she's like, "I don't care. Who cares?" Right? Um, it's just, oh, he's seeing it as he's driving. Yeah, as he's driving. Oh, okay. He's just it's just sort of following him around, right? And he's like, "Look at that! What is that?" Ah, who cares, right? So they they get to the Ralph Thomas house where the kids are, right? And they all get out. Uh, Marcella's got her two year old daughter Tina. And uh, they get out, they talk to the kids for a while, and they tell them, I'm sure, ghost stories and everything, you know. And uh, 
So uh, Ralph is, uh, you know, uh, you know, Ray is walking out, and again, he just can't shut up about this this weird red light in the sky. I'm like, look at that! What is that, right? And Marcel's like, you know, her arm. She's got a kid in her arms. She's like, get away from me! Just let me get to the car. I'm like, kid, <laughs> So, uh, Marcella, her, you know, her two-year-old in one arm, her, uh, uh, her keys in the other arm, uh, she's trying to unlock the, uh, the door to get in her car, and, uh, out of the corner of her eye, she sees, uh, she sees a couple feet, right, like, gray feet, gray legs, right, and she looks up, and, uh, there's this, there's this thing standing there. <laughs> Five feet away from her, at the end of the car, Ugh. with giant wings folded against its back, and its head kind of tilted, looking at her, right? She doesn't see any red eyes, she doesn't see any glowing red eyes, but this thing is as big as she is, and she's absolutely frozen with fear. And all of a sudden, her brother, who won't shut up about the UFO... Now she hears him behind her. Marcella, Marcella, get away from that thing. Get over here. Get over here. Um, and Marcella is, uh, uh, she's so frozen with fear, she takes two steps and falls straight right on top of her two year old daughter, Tina. Convinced she's crushed her to death. Right? Uh, Marcella's face now is all, uh, is all torn up. Um, she's burned herself with her cigarette because, by the way, back in 1966, folks, the fact that you're carrying a two-year-old oh. child in your in your hands <laughs> is no excuse not to be smoking a Absolutely cigarette. Absolutely not. Right? Absolutely. It's the law, right? Yeah. So she's burned herself on her hands and her face with her cigarette. She's all, she's all uh, marked up, right? Her brother and uh, sister-in-law are screaming at her, not helping her, standing <laughs> on the standing on the porch, screaming at her to get in the house. Right, so she manages to get herself to her feet. She, she uh, her daughter's okay. She pulls herself into the house. She's in absolute state of shock. She shit. She's shitting. She's <laughs> sitting on the couch, just like staring off into space. Well, there's absolute pandemonium in the house. I mean, you have a house full of kids who, by the way, you showed up to scare, right? And they're all freaking out, right? Her brother is uh, call- is calling the police, right? They've all seen it? Um, they've all seen it. Well, okay. they've all seen it, um, except for the kid. Maybe the kids haven't quite seen it yet. Oh, but then it looked through the windows. Oh. Um. Um, See, I don't like that. Yes, it's it's <laughs> beginning to look through the windows, and it's beginning to push on the, and he locked the door, but it's beginning to push against the locked door, and they can hear its footsteps out on the, uh, out on the porch, right? And so, um, they're losing their minds, and uh, it takes about 20 minutes for the uh, police to arrive, um, but again, the police, to their credit, take him totally seriously i mean marcella's a mess right she's, right she's all skinned up her her daughter is uh, hysterical right um and uh uh that is the uh marcella bennett uh mothman sighting which i find in part compelling because 
this is not a this is not something she saw she got a glimpse of driving through the woods. She was five feet away from this. Right. The thing goes away before the police arrive. Yeah. Right. It just um, gives up at some point. Well, they hear uh, they hear wings. Um, a- as she's running to the house, they hear whooshing of wings. They never see it fly, right? Um, but they hear the the sort of whooshing of wings. Um, then it starts looking in the windows and, and uh, uh, rattling around on the porch. Um, but yes, by the time they get there, it's gone. But the first account, they did see it fly because it had to. Have, it kept up with the vehicle. I mean, well, it had to. Scarberry mallet had to be, mallet, had to be on, flying. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so, uh, now, uh, uh, Marcella Bennett's story has been, um, um, uh, uh, retold and misconstrued in a lot of ways. First of all, she was to point out, she was quoted by Keel and others as having seen the glowing red eyes. She never saw the glowing red eyes. She never saw it fly. Um, she was terrified of it, but she was terrified of it because... It was huge, um, and she she didn't think it was anything more than a bird. But it was a bird unlike anything she's ever right, seen. Right, gigantic, and not like, not like a. Uh, uh, so uh, the go-to explanation for a lot of these sightings is uh, sandhill crane, right? Sandhill cranes get, um, uh, they get, you know, they they get five plus feet tall, right? You know. So they're tall birds, but they're they're thin birds, right? Yeah, I mean it's I don't know the bird thing doesn't compel me that much. I mean, yeah. It's a bird. Yeah, you um, don't. I don't think you're terrified of a bird because because she describes also um, as many people do like like man like legs, no arms, but like but like sort of man you know manish sort of legs. Birds are not quick to sidle up to people either, right? Yeah, at least in my experience. Right. Yes. Right. Now there are some birds. I mean, there are some birds under certain circumstances that will, you know, be aggressive and attack cars. But you know, there's the first, the original account, um, the first encounter with with the Mothman, uh-huh. the first, the the beginning. Um, of the story when they first see it out there at the uh, in the TNT area by one of the buildings. Yeah, but you, you mentioned that they don't sh- they don't have it flying away from them. There, they have it no. kind of shuffling away. Yes. So we've got two accounts where it kind of doesn't fly, right? And one account where it does. Yes. Um, most birds are not reluctant to fly. There are a few. Yeah. You know, quail like the right. You can be right up on a quail, and all of a sudden it'll take off and scare the hell out of you. Yeah. But most birds will get the hell out of dodge as you approach. Yeah. Um. So if there was a total lack of any flying encounters, that that feels awful Scooby Doo to me. You know, the, the wings are just there for appearance only. Yes. But you've got this encounter where apparently it flies at the speed of a you know a, a moving ass car. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I mean, does the account become an exaggeration at some point? That's that's what I the skeptic side in me, you know, you know, wants to say. You know, does 
they saw something they don't know what it is they no. think they maybe saw it again and now it's following them now's a good time to take stock so uh, of what we've actually seen right right um what we've seen is something that looks weird that sort of shuffled right and now if we're gonna go scooby-doo I mean, if you were going to build a bird suit, I mean, if you're if you're going to play a prank and build a bird suit, um, you're probably going to have a lot of trouble moving around in the bird suit, right? Uh, you know, and and shuffle away. And there's a lot of shuffling going along in uh, stories of Mothman moving along the ground, right? Now, um, you know, the fact that you 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 you're seen here then, and then all of a sudden you're seeing a top of billboard right maybe two different whatever's whatever's right <laughs> yeah just uh, you know just in theory you could have seen one hoax and then later on you're freaked out you see uh a, a you know a barred owl or or you see some other uh something with you connect the two um... and just by coincidence and then all, and then your imagination kind of does the rest, right? Um, you know, if it, you're saying both are hoaxes, well, then now you're t- you're stretching credibility a little bit. Fair enough. Now maybe it's not even in, maybe that it's an elaborate hoax, not necessarily meant to get to the same group in two places, but it just so happens to luckily occur that way. Well, what we could. What we could have is we could have somebody trying to generate a flash, somebody trying to generate a an event, right? Like um, uh, having, you know, uh, tr- trying to get a, a few different people in a few different places seeing some sort of monster to uh, to create some sort of legend, you know? Right. Um, somebody and who, maybe almost by luck, somebody who the same group sees both of the. Th- and maybe there's more than two. Well, I mean the Bennett. Uh, I, I mean maybe maybe the Bennett sighting was a was a hoax. Maybe maybe somebody stood up in front of uh, you know was waiting uh, behind right. Marcella Bennett's car and then just stood up and started mothmanning it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't see. I mean nobody defied the laws of physics yet. Right. 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 It's... Which brings me to my next sighting. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, uh, I consider, I consider three Mothman sightings canonical, right? The first two we've talked about. We've talked about, uh, 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 the Scarberry Mallet sighting, right? Um, and now we've talked to Marcella, uh, talked about the Marcella Bennett sighting. Um, next. On November 27th, um, 1966. Uh, so uh, this is uh, so still in November. Still in November. November was a big deal, right? Um, but we started at the beginning of the month. Now we're at the end of the month, right? A uh, an 18 year old girl named uh, named Connie Carpenter. Connie Carpenter. Yes. You know what Connie Carpenter? No, but the alliteration is. Oh, okay. Right. So, um, right. Uh, so, uh, uh, an 18-year-old girl named Connie Carpenter 
is driving home one morning uh, from church, no less, right? Um, in uh, outside of uh, outside of Mason, uh, 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 West Virginia, which which is about uh, about an hour north of uh, Fort Pleasant, right? Um, actually, uh, yeah, in, in the, 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 the TNT area is kind of uh, in between. Oh, okay. Right? So, um, so uh, Connie Carpenter is driving along. It's broad daylight. Um, it's 10.30 in the morning. Um, she is uh, driving along. She sees uh, what appears to be a very tall figure, a tall man, in uh, some sort of uh, 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 overcoat. Sort of like uh, some sort of like a gray pants overcoat. Right? Uh, as she approaches, uh, the figure turns towards her um, and uh, its eyes shine red. Um, okay. Its wings part. It lifts straight into the air um, without flapping, which is going to be a Oh, okay. And she, um, no, she, uh, she kind of loses her mind. She totally freaks out. Well, I think that's she, yes, that would freak you out. Yes, she has. Uh, 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 she attaches to this uh, uh, everything from you know maybe she's losing her mind to maybe this has some sort of spiritual satanic. Uh, aspect, right? Um, now, uh, this segs into another sort of aspect of all of this story, and that is uh, that uh, uh, Connie Carpenter, as it turns out, is uh, the niece of Mary Heyer, right? The reporter. The, report, the, the local reporter, right? And the one who is uh, um, uh, not, uh, the one who is leading a charge on, uh, on Mothman reporting, right? Um, kind of, it's buttering her bread at, at, at this time. In a way, at least. You're not the only one to notice that. <laughs> I'm the other one to notice that. <laughs> Nobody else <laughs> seems to have noticed that, right? But, um, yes, so, uh, so the, yes, the Connie Carpenter, uh, 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 golf course sighting becomes just a just a because if you're a reporter and you want to get out of West Virginia and get on to the Today Show or something bigger, yeah, maybe you could make a name for yourself somehow. Yeah, or okay. at least take the opportunity, right, to make a name for yourself. So, uh, um. Keel becomes entirely convinced that Connie Carpenter is on the run. Um, he he of course was not afraid of, uh, of of paranormal sightings and defiable laws of physics. He's used to that kind of thing. Um, but um, he he defends this and considers this sort of a, a, a cornerstone canonical sighting because for a couple different reasons. Um, one is he considers her to be a totally incredible witness um she's 18 she's uh he describes her as very very studious as very sort of shy as having no no uh uh as being 
essentially sort of mortified by the by by the publicity over this and very very frightened of of, of sort of being out there. Um, he by this time we'll go back and talk a little bit more about the relationship between the reporters here, but he by this time is a is a confidant of of Mary Heyer and and, 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 and is, is a student on the level. Um, I, I think at the very least he would consider it to be very very cruel of Mary Heyer to put her uh, to put her niece up to this if this there wasn't sure. to this. Yeah. When does Keel come into the picture? How how Great. far after the making? I mean after the events. Perfect. Because uh, that's kind of where I want to get into okay. what I'm going to get into next. So um, uh, the long story short is. Uh, I mean, to answer your question directly, uh, Keel arrives for the first time in Point Pleasant on December seventh, nineteen sixty-six. Oh, so he's on the okay. So he's yeah. he's in there. Yes, he is. Um, he is brought into this uh, thanks to Gray Barker, right? Uh, Gray Barker uh, tips him off to uh, these uh, Mothman. Uh, sightings. Gray Barker also uh, tips him off to the uh, Woody Derenberger uh, visitation and introduces him to uh, Woody Derenberger. Um, uh, one of the uh, and so uh, uh, Keel uh, uh, manages to get a, uh, a you know a magazine to back uh, his, his coverage of this um, and, uh, and and spend some time uh, with uh, Gray Barker, sort of his guide. Around this whole story, right? Um, <clears throat> let's say some stuff about uh, about Gray Barker and John Keel. Uh, Gray Barker is kind of a, uh, a, a self-made uh, 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 ufologist uh, uh, and, and writer and uh, a self-proclaimed expert on uh, on, on the um, uh, UFO happening. 60s. Um, he made his bones uh, uh, cover, uh, covering uh, the, uh, the Flatwood monster, the Flatwood monsters, uh, Braxy. I'm somewhat familiar with that. Um, yeah. So both of these guys are outsiders. Well, now wait a second. Um, uh, Gray Barker is a local West Virginian. Oh, okay. And, okay, and, that's and, yes. And uh, and so considers uh, uh, you know uh, considers this sort of his territory. Okay. Right. Um, he uh, he's friends with uh, he he knows uh, he, he knows uh, uh, John Keel because uh, they run in some of the same circles in terms of uh, ufology. Um, my feeling is <clears throat> my feeling is that. Uh, uh, Gray Barker uh, wanted to invite uh, 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 Keel to cover some of this story um, to lend it a little bit of credence. Um, uh, Barker was best friends with uh, a- another ufologist named Jim uh, Jim Bodier, right? And the two of them uh, were very prolific writers. Uh, they did a lot in terms of organizing. Conventions and getting a lot of people okay. together and stuff like that. Uh, there, uh, on the other hand, they had a really, really bad reputation. Um, I might have mentioned this before. 
um, I think we briefly they were involved in a couple of very very uh, uh, notorious hoaxes, and the truth of the matter is uh, they uh, you know they they uh, published a paper called Saucer News that in equal parts took uh, uh, sightings seriously but also uh, not seriously, and they did a lot to kind of damage uh, the reputation of, of a lot of people who were uh, trying to uh, put ufology, get ufology to be taken very, very seriously. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, there was probably a lot of people out there looking to discredit it as, as easily as possible, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they apparently thought it was just sort of, it was just sort of funny, right? There were a lot of people in ufology who took themselves very, very seriously. And uh, Barker and Mosley uh, had a good time had a lot of good times there in the Nazis. Um, so uh, they always had one foot in wanting to be taken more seriously, at least seriously insofar as being, as, as being able to, to sell their magazines. Right. right? Um, but at the same time, uh, uh, we're never shy about uh, sort of sticking fingers in the eyes of, of a lot of uh, the, uh, uh, the organizations that were uh, popping up at time that took uh uh took ufology very very seriously uh a a, uh organization called nicap for instance uh uh, uh, i don't remember exactly i don't remember what that uh uh, uh, oh what it stands for exactly yeah what that stands for exactly but nicap was this uh group of uh of of, uh quasi amateurs um who were constantly trying to sort of bring in you know like phds and astrophysicists and everything sort of uh, lend credence to right, them. right. But their attitude was absolutely. There's lots of factions here. Their abs, their uh, their attitude was absolutely that UFOs were extraterrestrial, that were on the verge of disclosure, that any sort of um, uh, mix mixture with other kinds of mythology. I don't want to hear about Bigfoot. I don't want to hear <laughs> about people being kidnapped by aliens. I don't want to hear anything about that except that the that the US government is about to disclose, right? And so NICAP did a lot of uh, uh, they made enemies of people like uh, uh, like Barker and Keel because what NICAP would do was they would go to to you know contact these licensed uh, Woody and just say, Don't talk to anybody but us. You know. Right. That, that makes and so it becomes very, very proprietary and factional and, and a lot of uh, turns out to be a lot of infighting yeah and that's always detrimental to something like this you know that's yeah but Um, it tends to happen yeah all right yeah have any of the witnesses that we've talked about so far ever been polygraphed uh not as far as i know no because you know that's something that's technology that would have existed i believe yeah yeah it would have existed would have required uh it would have required some money that I think uh, <laughs> most people at the time uh, uh, didn't have. But it would well, be, that's... It, it, it would, certainly would be interesting. I'm sure it was, you know, way more expensive than it is now. Yeah, right. Um, uh, so, uh, I mean, one of the things that's interesting that comes out of, you know, I don't mean to cast dispersions on people, one of the things interesting that comes out of the uh, Wamsley books Again, Jeff Wamsley uh, 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 re-interviewed in right. 2005 a lot of uh, uh, 
uh, the original uh, uh, The Wizards. And uh, uh, Linda Scarberry of the Scarberry Mallet uh, sighting. Uh, Linda Scarberry was always one of the most uh, uh, outspoken and kind of colorful witnesses. Like, she would kind of talk at length about a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, her, you know, her statement is most kind of long-winded. She kind of went into a lot of detail. The biggest detail, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, one of the things, you know, I mean, make of this what you will, right? But one of the things that comes out of uh, her 2005 interview with Romney is uh, all sorts of details. Like, she, now she's in bars, right? Now she sees uh, Mothman trying to extract itself from a uh, from some, some from a guide wire, right? And she sees big muscular arms, right? Which is in complete contradiction to her original statement. Yeah, um, um you know, uh, right. We know how eyewitness accounts are absolutely, you know, borderline useless anyway. Yeah. Years after the fact, I, I just don't. Yeah. I mean, although I guess there's things that I have accounts of that haven't changed a whole lot over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah, and I, yeah, you're never really quite sure what to make of that kind of thing, especially. And I hate to be like this, but especially you know when you're doing it, you know. Yeah. The story so many times, you just don't. Absolutely. Uh, one thing uh, that that, that uh, we should point out, uh, uh, I, I forgot to mention about the Patty Carpenter uh, 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 signing is that. Uh, so, uh, when uh, uh, John Keel meets her two weeks after she's had this, uh, she's had this sighting, uh, he, he says, and I quote, I knew she was telling the truth from, from the beginning because uh, uh, her eyes were sw- swollen shut. She had pink eye. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> Keel, and we're taking his word for this because uh, he, you know, he's... Uh, the expert in uh, in uh, researching uh, uh, UFOs, uh, Keel uh, says that uh, something called Kleeg's conjunctivitis, um, uh, which is a form of pink eye that comes from uh, uh, being exposed to radiation, uh, certain kinds of radiation, um, okay, uh, is common. He, he assures us to uh, to UFO witnesses, right, and so. He takes one look at her, and he's sure she's seen Mothman. Now, hang on a second. Hang on. Conjunctivitis. Now, conjunctivitis is a defined condition. Well, there's bacterial conjunctivitis, which okay. you get from not from from not washing your hands. Okay. Yeah. Well, what other kind is there? Well, uh, I mean, conjunctivitis is it, 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 it's just a symptom, really. It's just that your your eyes get swollen, right? Is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are different there are different forms. I think there's even like a viral form of conjunctivitis. So it's one of those things where they, first of all, the, you know, the condition refers really to the symptoms. Uh, what cause it? Okay. Yeah. Um, and Kleeg's conjunctivitis apparently is a real thing. Well, um, my point is is, you know, <laughs> if conjunctivitis is an infection of your eye, yeah, and there's a similar condition. Brought on by exposure to radiation, why call it the same fucking thing? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? What are you arguing with, Doctor Keel? Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess. It's, you know, we've got unlimited amount of descriptive words to describe stuff. The thing is, and this, I, I just, I just earlier today, uh, this is one of the questions that uh, Wamsley got back to me about. Is like, so you, Wamsley, you're the sort of leading expert on on, on the, the the Mothman sightings. Is there another case of of pink eye in any? <laughs> well, of right. The, in any of the Mothman sightings, I mean, for I, I, I take, you know, I guess I take. Uh, 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 Keel at his word that maybe uh, uh, UFO witnesses get it, but but uh, Keel acts as though this makes perfect sense, right? Because right? if eight people have seen it and one person gets has conjunctivitis, well, of course, it's right, right, conjunctivitis brought upon by this set of circumstances, right? Or <laughs> one person gets conjunctivitis and zero others, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So uh, I so, believe uh, if you consult the scientific method, that doesn't hold up very well. <laughs> yeah, and, and and one of the kind of sort of amusing slash frustrating things about the literature here, I mean, Keel is considered sort of such the god of, of, well, of, of I mean, the mythology. Well, I mean, he wrote the Bible, right? About this. Well, right, yes. Uh, so uh, that people just sort of like repeat this rumor or, or sort of repeat this as though this is, you know, this is hard evidence uh, uh, that... Uh, that there must be something to it and it's like there's not even a theory i mean like not you know i don't mean to be unkind to like west virginia but like it's not like (laughs) it's not like nobody in west virginia has ever gotten conjunctivitis before i mean didn't you know that one out of every 1,000 people that exposed to uh, radiation developed conjunctivitis as a right, reason? <laughs> right. Well, right. And, and, <laughs> I, and, and I mean, if you need further evidence, a few months later, Keel got pink eye, right? Uh, what's what, how, <laughs> how, how much longer? How much later? Uh, it was a few months later. After, oh, okay. Well, and granted, so at this Long point, enough to where he couldn't have got it from Connie. He could, right. He couldn't have got it. From right, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, not washing his hands. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so uh, where do we want to? Where do we want to go from here? So we've gotten through the kind of carpenter. Um, uh, we, I gotta get um, a different table. <laughs> banging around on your. Oh, sorry, I'm ruining your all, all your. Uh, so, uh, um. Uh, where do I? What? Oh, sorry. Okay, so one thing I want to say is so uh so so to give a give a little more of a timeline of uh of Keel arriving in in uh, uh in Point Pleasant, uh Barker invites him. Um, Barker gets him hooked up with uh Woody Derenberger. Um, gets uh that they interview Derenberger together. Derenberger. Um, Tells them at this point that uh, Cole has a first name. His name now is Indrid Cole. Indrid. Indrid Cole. Right. Indrid Cole. Yes, he's communicated via uh, telepathy. Right, that's what. <laughs> right. Um, and at this point, uh, uh, Woody's home is inundated with people uh, who are, of course, showing up uh, to try to get a glimpse of a spaceman. Right. Oh yeah, sure. Oh sure, right. Um, who are splitting their time between uh, Parkersburg and and uh, harassing Woody and going down to try to see Mothman, right? 
Um, so, uh, interesting point uh, that uh, when Teal uh, uh, comes to town and he starts talking to Barry Hire, right? Uh, who's uh, again Mothman all the time, right? Right. right. Um, he uh, he says to her, you know, um, are people seeing? Have there been UFO sightings? You know, and she says, well, no, I haven't heard any UFO sightings. And he's like, you know what? Ask around. <laughs> um, and uh, so she asks around. She finds a couple UFO sightings and uh, and publishes them. And then, boom, <laughs> everywhere. I mean, and, and granted, this is not just. I I think this is not just uh, sort of uh, uh, people making shit up. I I, I think that like uh, people were seeing UFOs and just not reporting them because I think there were there were apparently um, by all accounts lots and lots of weird stuff going on in the skies um, over the uh, uh, over Camp Townley Road and over over Five Mile Road and over the the TNT. I mean, I can see why people would be reluctant to come forward with that kind of thing especially back then oh sure yeah i mean you see something in the sky and who cares right yeah. and, you know oh, that, that's weird I, I guess it's a plane or something right you know um but anyway uh so the floodgates open uh the floodgates open on a lot of other sort of uh, uh paranormal activity here um the uh uh the, the scarberries um uh uh linda scarberry is uh is, is going through a lot right now. She's uh, she's having a lot of post traumatic uh, stress. So she's been clearly tormented by this encounter. Yeah, right, right, and uh, and there begins to be a spate of uh, poltergeist activity at her house. Um, there begins to be uh, you know uh, doors opening and closing, uh, voices, um, a lot of uh, phone calls, uh, phone calls uh, where there's nothing you can do, right. Um, strange people, right? And uh, weird uh, uh, grinding metal sounds, right? Um, to the point where uh, um, I mean, she's really in a bad state of affairs. Um, Connie Carpenter um, one day is uh, walking down the street and a uh, uh, car pulls up next to her and uh, tells her to get in. Uh, no thanks. Uh, the guy grabs her and tries to uh, pull her into her pull her into the car. She spends the rest of the day rolled up in her house, terrified, and uh, gets a note on her door that says, uh, "Watch out, girl! I can take you out." Right. Um. So, um, this could be somebody who saw her on the news and was a kook. And, exactly. Exactly. You no. Know, but um, chaos. Yes. Brings on more chaos. Yes. But what happens next is um, that the uh, city of the town of Point Pleasant is inundated with uh, the good old men in black, right? Um, the uh, everywhere, apparently everywhere you go in town, uh, there there are uh, uh, guys uh, dressed in uh, dressed like G-men, um, somewhat dark complected, um, looking uh, very suspicious, right? Asking crazy questions, asking uh, people uh, uh, who know Larry, uh, you know, conducting uh, fake uh, census. Uh, uh, These aren't just questions. Project Blue Bookers or something. No, well, uh, who knows? I, I mean, but they, what they will do is uh, somebody who has seen Mothman or seen uh, uh, a, a uh, 
uh, UFO, uh, all of a sudden we'll, uh, one of these people will show up at their house and, and give them like an hour-long uh, uh, sort of a survey about sort of media shit. I mean, we know that the government was, the U.S. government was Definitely. studying this stuff. You know, yeah. the Cold War is going freaking bananas. Um, uh, on the one hand on the other hand do you know who first reported about the phenomenon of men in black I do not Ray Barton really yeah he wrote a book called uh, they knew knew, knew too much about uh, flying saucers back in 1956 and uh, invented uh, 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 much of the, uh, the mythology of the whole thing, um, uh, both implying that maybe they're government G-men, but also maybe they're more, maybe they're themselves aliens, right? Oh. Um, and uh, the uh, idea of the men in black, black was then picked up we're not hosting an intergalactic kegger here. <laughs> Sorry, that's the first thing when I hear Men in Black always comes to my mind. Right. So, uh, and uh, another writer uh, who uh, showed a lot of interest in uh, Men in Black and uh, kind of picked it up and sort of made it his own in the 1960s was uh, John Keel. Um, and uh, interesting. Anyway, uh, it seems like there's enough to that to where, I mean, there's probably some to it. But what to it? Well, I think just whether it started as one thing and became legend or whatever, I think wherever these things were supposedly occurring, whether they were occurring or not, they were either there to, if it's not true, if they didn't think it was true, to study it, find out what its origins are, or... There's a reason behind it, and they're there to manage it. Well, think about it this way. Um, if we've already admitted that, uh, I don't know, maybe a guy in a big bird suit <laughs> might be able to shuffle his way to the North Tower plant. <laughs> right. Pause for a second to think um, how easy it would be to manufacture a man uh, in black flag. I mean, all, all you need is... Um, a couple cohorts to uh, uh, prank uh, some people who just recently saw you. Well, that's true, but yeah, is it that compelling of a caper? Well, I mean, if you're the guy who 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 invented, oh, I see what you're saying. Discovered the idea of the uh, yes, I'm driving a great. Of course, they're going to show up. Right. Yes. Um. And uh. Uh, and so, or maybe a couple of G-men stopped by something, well, and, and he made it something more than it ever really was. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's no. A truth. lot of times, there's a nugget of truth. I don't th- to this yeah, point. I don't I mean, think there's no truth to the men in black thing. Quite the opposite. I, I, I think, in fact, I think it's been established that there were. Um, I mean, of course, there were people, there were government agents who were interested in, in, in sussing some of this stuff out, but. Um, uh, specifically, the amount, the amount and flavor of, uh, of of men in black activity that was going on in Point Pleasant, I think, was very weakly 
very cool right and sure. and played up in a way that seemed uh, like a prank at times consider uh, so uh, a uh, uh, a very very famous case um, uh, uh, that comes up again and again in uh, in, in the point pleasant mythology is uh, case of uh it's called the man from detroit we need to take a break or anything or we okay. we're good for a little bit um so uh mary hire uh in in uh january of 1967 um is uh she's doing her job she's kind of working late at night you know uh telling a lot of her stories stories you know we all those sort of stories are coming in right and this uh this man who's about four and a half feet tall um and sort of dark complected with big thick glasses comes in and he starts asking all sorts of strange questions he says he's a he's an associate of john fields and brave archers and he starts asking mary hire well what would you do if somebody told you to stop uh, writing about ufos right <laughs> and uh he's it's it's freezing cold outside and he's wearing no jacket he's wearing just you know um and he tells her that uh uh well he just hitchhiked his way from Detroit, right? And he starts asking her questions about this uh, local town and how to get there, even though when he uh, starts uh, describing uh, you know, his knowledge of local geography, it's clear he knows exactly how to get there, right? Oh. Um, she's so creeped out he, he has such this penetrating stare, she, she's so creeped out that he steps in back for a second as she comes back, he's looking at a ballpoint pen as though he's never seen it before right and she tells him you know if you want to keep it you can and then he cackles and runs out of the room right with the pen with the pen <laughs> right two weeks later mary hire is walking down the street and sees this guy and he looks at her and he looks all confu- he, he looks all awkward and he runs and get in, gets into a car and drives away right now what do you make of this? Now, if you if you buy into to, to you know men in black stuff, well, obviously he's an alien. Then again, maybe he's an actor that Gray Barker hired to freak out uh, Mary Hire, or just a lunatic, or just a lunatic. Exactly, like you know, the guy who tried to kidnap. Uh, well, I mean, you know, uh, you know, people who have interests in this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Who live in Detroit, perhaps, <laughs> right. might. Hitchhike across country I mean, to come we check know it about out. Detroiters, well, yeah. yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, but the, uh, the 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 men in black angle is one that's really played up in Point Pleasant, and I think you're right. I mean, between on the one hand, uh, we know that flaps like this are just flypaper for lunatics. Yeah, I mean right? that's for sure. Yeah. On the other hand, I think you know, I I personally. That there, that that Gray Barker and his sense of humor and his, um, his, his trying to figure out an angle on this to make a, uh, to to make some money off of it, um, combine that with everything, and and I think that you don't have anything that necessarily takes, uh, you know, intervention from another dimension. Or, or, right. Yeah. The question is, is some of it fake and some of it have a different explanation? Um, 
I remember we talked about this one other time, you know. There was some talk about, you know, government um, uh, experimenting. Uh You know, I mean, the government's done a lot of things to its populace. You know, some sort of psychological warfare experiment or whatever. Yeah, trying to create a mass... Trying to create a mass hysteria incident, and yes, you know, and we know that uh, they dropped, you know, fallout on St. Louis in the fifties. I believe that's documented. Fallout. Yeah, like nuclear. Nuclear nu- fallout. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, um, I believe that's a documented case that okay. where they they admit now to, to experiment. Just to see what would happen. Yeah, yeah, and whether it would you know populations would show cancers and stuff that are now other places and. To know. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if that's that's actually a conspiracy theory, uh, I'll I'll have to do more homework on that. But I, I thought that, that was a proven true thing. Um, but back to the topic. Um, you know, I, it's just you just don't know where to begin to, to decipher exactly. You know, what could one small hoax make the rest of this stuff? You know, it's like a, a snowball running downhill. Does, does, can, can that sometimes happen where one, one an innocent hoax, maybe with no motive other than just a couple guys screwing around, turn into all this? Turn into some sort of mass hysteria. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, uh, can we pause? Yeah, we can take a break right now. Okay. It's probably a good time. So-